0: So you mentioned in there earlier on, I think, did you say CNN as one of the areas you look at?
1: Like the TV station, oh, okay. CNN. Right. Uh, okay. I don't know, maybe it's not here.
0: <laughs> so a CNN loss is something that makes it onto the news, is that right?
1: Uh, I think there's a cultural gap. CNN is uh, news.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not... <laughs> oh, okay,
1: sorry, I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to edit that out of the podcast. No, I do know what CNN... <laughs> Welcome to the INSTEC London Podcast. This is Matthew Grant and you can probably tell we've got a great episode coming up here. Now this is the second part of our reverse pitch recorded live in the Steelyard on the 24th of September. This time I'm in the chair interviewing first of all Hayley Maynard from Allianz. Global Corporate Specialty, and then Carl Stanley from Renaissance Re. Both of them are talking about the challenges their organisations have and asking for help from the audience about where they are looking for solutions to some of those challenges. So let's get on with the show, but before we do, Thanks to Insurance Insider who are supporting our podcasts this autumn and also as one of the sources of information that we rely on to bring you the most relevant news and our comments every week in our newsletter. And of course to our good friends PKF, Little John, for sponsoring the whole event. So Haley, you are Chief of Staff to the CUO for... Allianz Global Corporate Specialty. Yeah. Uh, you came over to the UK from Australia. I guess you just <laughs> got bored of the sunshine, did you?
1: Yeah, yeah, too much sun, it's not good.
0: Welcome to winter in the UK. So, perhaps let just kick off with a little bit about what you do in your role, and also for those that don't know or understand all different parts of the Allianz group, what does AGCS do relative to the others?
1: Yeah, fair. Allianz is a behemoth. Um, so, first, maybe I'll start with AGC&S. Uh So we're the we're the corporate side of the Allianz Megalopolis. Uh, so we look after the listed companies of the world. Um, and my boss is the, as you said, the Chief Underwriting Officer, responsible for specialty lines. Uh, so that's aviation, marine, energy, entertainment, alternative risk transfer. So I guess basically my job is. There's, there's two components to it. There's the, there's the external side, which is bringing in information and relationships. So the information tends to be, you know, what are our competitors doing? What's happening in the market? Is it growing? Is it shrinking? What's happening with claims? Uh, it, what's happening with CNN losses? Um, and then there's the relationships. So what, what needs do we have internally and who can we bring in to fill them?
0: So you mentioned in there earlier on, I think, did you say CNN as one of the areas you look at?
1: most corporate players probably exist for the cnn losses um so retail f- comes on cnn like the tv station oh, okay. cnn right. uh okay. i don't know maybe it's not here
0: <laughs> so a cnn loss is something that makes it onto the news is that right
1: cnn is uh news
0: yeah yeah no i'm <laughs> oh, okay
1: sorry <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> no i do know what cnn
0: <laughs> Eddie's thinking like god what do i let myself in for um, no I get what well, I knew CNN is a, a news station but I, I, what I was try, uh, trying to understand is that you use that to describe items of loss or news or that would make it onto the news is that how yeah. yes
1: yeah, yeah, well, yes. I, I, but yes yes 100% you are so right
0: <laughs> um, just to make sure we understand the difference so you've got the big corporate losses or big corporate companies rather with the big losses Allianz is also well known for retail as as well You've seen a bit of both. I think when you were in Australia, you were also looking at the retail side as well.
1: Totally, totally. When I was in Australia, I was looking after... small-medium business, um, and then I moved into the strategy team where I looked after marketing, competitor strategy. But Allianz Australia, totally, you're right, and Allianz UK, a, v- a very retail market, so you're looking after consumers and SMEs, whereas um, the volatile business is consolidated to the large corporates. So retail kind of similar to banking, I guess. You know, you have your retail consistent margins and then you have your volatile business um, kind of sitting with the corporates.
0: When you look at what what is happening, I guess, in the Australia market around the use of technology and innovation in that SME and retail space. Uh, we can come back to the corporate in a minute. You know, compared to what you're seeing in the UK, I, mean, I think sometimes for those of us who haven't been over there and actually don't necessarily understand quite how dynamic it is, what you can do in a, in a kind of quite a smaller um, ecosystem out there, you know, actually some quite intriguing things happen that sometimes come back this way. So what, what would be an example of what you've seen in Australia that's you know, particularly worthy of note?
1: So there's three buckets, right? There's efficiency, there's risk analytics, and there's customer. And those, for from at least what I've seen in Allianz, those seem to be the three that we prioritize. And from a retail perspective, I think a really exciting area is the efficiency side. And the, the insure tech that I saw get the most traction when I was working at Allianz Australia was a company called Checkbox. Um, so retail versus corporate... Uh, Retail sorted out the large-scale IT largely, much better so than um, the corporates. So, I mean, we just need to look at Admiral and Insurance Australia Group's expense ratio versus Lloyd's and Swiss Recorso, right? It's just This is just obvious. So, Checkbox, they're not large-scale IT. They sort out all of those niggly processes that sit in you know, Dan from accounting's email and in workbooks, um, Excel workbooks. And so the, they got traction all through Allianz Australia because there were all of these processes sitting, you know, in reinsurance and technical and sales and legal that that were just, Karen, why are you keeping that in your inbox? And so, it, yeah, it got massive traction. Um, whereas checkbox would be, I think, I think, and I think efficiency from a large, it's a slower burn in the corporate market um, because we are, we are less advanced. So um, it would require more investment.
0: So efficiency, analytics, and customer. And I guess the point about innovation and efficiency is something that maybe gets either overlooked or downplayed because it's not as exciting as the brand new stuff. But you're mm-hmm. saying that checkbox is you're standing out because it's actually making a big difference. And, uh, and maybe difference. you just threw it in there, but
1: mm-hmm. you know, maybe
0: if, uh, Paolo's still around and Jamie's here. So you know some of the things happening in the future of Lloyd's around efficiency and cost reduction, it could be some lessons to be learned from totally. Checkbox and others. Totally,
1: totally. But, but risk analytics, if there are any um, insure techs out there, I think, you know, there's so much focus from a risk analytics on the retail market. Um, we see leaders in the space like Sitora making big moves with QB and Excel. we've spoken about them quite a lot. Super exciting company. But if... If I could, so Palantir at AGC&S has probably seen the the most traction um, from from our perspective, and if I could give an example of the energy market, um, there are probably I think four to five hundred refineries in total all around the world, and these have there are probably what they probably explode maybe fifteen a year, uh, may, maybe a bad year twenty right? <laughs>
0: so just sorry to be clear. So you're saying of there's fifteen to twenty. Refineries Large that explode. I guess the Saudis had three of those in the last couple of weeks. But,
1: <laughs> but, but that's but a big
0: number, though. That's, it's, that's, but it's, it is a big yeah.
1: number, but it's, it's how many times in our lives do we have the potential to have 100% population sampling, right? Why don't we focus on understanding these bespoke risks and not just not just pricing better, but how do we turn these insights into actionable into actionable means that we can give back to our customers to change them from bad risks to good risks, to make real mitigation possible. Because I think at a retail perspective, we're, you know, we're constantly talking at a big aggregated, le- at a big aggregated level. Uh, I think about some of the major steps that were taken in Australia, different data sets that were released, like Geoscape, um, which kind of give building attributes, data at a you know, country-wide level. That's cool. But, but I think that there's a huge opportunity to understand bespoke risks and it wouldn't take a tremendous amount of effort or innovation you're just you get a few major insurers to anonymize their data throw it on a blockchain i mean i'm just saying maybe there's other ideas but, blockchain but, we haven't <laughs> had that word in here for a while nobody said it yet <laughs> so i wanted to throw that buzzword out
0: great and so just uh you know a, a request for the uh, the community here in terms of help you might need or areas of innovation what would be one or two things you're, you're looking for
1: I think the thing we're super passionate about, and probably everyone is and should be, is the customer. Um, You know, in retail, everyone talks about products that transition through the life stage of the customer, but we just don't think about it enough in corporate insurance. I mean, just as an example, staying with energy, if Shell decided they wanted to build a refinery, they would have to go to our engineering team. And we would then issue an engineering policy for the construction of that refinery. And then when they want to actually start using it, they have to then go through a completely different tro- process to ensure the same asset for its operations. Why don't we just create a product that transitions through the life stage of that of that business, right? It's not just consumers that change, it's businesses that change as well. Uh, and, and then I guess if we step that out at another level, how do we combine those services? How do we, again, give insights back to our customers? How do we kind of wrap this all up? I'm not saying one insured or one startup or one SME would do all of this but I guess how do we work better to really <laughs> deliver for our customers?
0: We've got uh, time for one quick question if anybody's got anything for Haley, Corporate's always about making things complex and difficult and I love the way you're saying you should make it simple. <laughs> But why is it that sort of eighty percent of the underwriting that goes on is repetitive yet the real key is the twenty percent, and we still do the manual process of eighty percent. Why can't we just make it simpler I just, Wait, I'm s- on
1: something? your side I really am I know it's it's a battle we're fighting no, it, it is, and I think I think. I mean, I hope, I'd say I hope right now is the time for change, right? We. I mean, every day you're seeing in the market, someone's pulled out of GA in North America, someone's pulled out of marine hole, someone's pulled out of marine cargo. At some th- stage, something's got to give. And these excuses that we give, oh, well, the market wouldn't let us, oh, la, 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 we have to, of course we have to take the average clause out of our policy. No, we don't. No, we don't. We need to be more customer centric. We need to look at our expense ratio. We need to structurally look at the way we do business. Um, And that's why I said the sort of the efficiency side for us would be a slow burn. But but come to us with, with better ways of serving our customers, of translating. I mean, don't. I have a PhD in econometrics, so I'm not saying this slightly. Don't, uh, academia is nice, but right now we are in the world of action and maybe come back to us in five years when we're making a consistent profit and we can talk academics again. But yeah, let's do some, let's do some shit, right? Let's
0: do some shit. With that, we'll close that. Harry. thank you for joining us all the way from Australia. Yes. So Carl, you've got a fantastic job. And Renry has sometimes been referred to as one of the early... InsureTechs so when people sort of celebrate funding of tens or hundreds of millions. I mean, you guys started off with billions. You've built big tech. You've been highly successful. Uh, but I guess the question for you is, like, sort of where, do you, where do you go from there? And, and what, is, what does that mean for you and your job to be the next frontier of innovation in, uh, in Renri?
2: Yeah, I think, I think if Renri were starting today, it, pro- it would fit into that InsureTech bucket. Like, I think at the time... In the 1990s, that highly quantitative, highly model-based way of underwriting was innovative. Um, obviously, everybody does that now. Everybody uses models. There's you know huge companies who sell them, et cetera, et cetera, And so we have an interesting challenge where we've we built a ton of IP and technology to kind of help us make the decisions we make. Um, but we built those a long time ago, and the technology has moved on. So. Renewing legacy is a big part of what we do, just trying to just trying to modernize our systems and make them fit for purpose in the in, in, in the world we're in now. And also, you know, the world has changed. Renry was able to start quite successfully as a monoline you know, Florida uh, property, cat, hurricane, yada yada. Over the over the last few years we've executed on our strategy to diversify and we've consciously become bigger. We've done some enormous for us MA. Um, so integrating those companies, uh, Platinum, who we bought about five years ago, and TMR, who we bought about a year ago. It, you know, bringing them into the fold and being able to take the best parts of their culture and bring them into bring them into what we do, and to be able to adapt our systems to support the things that they do, is a big, big challenge for us, and it's a a, a large focus for me in, in what I do.
0: Wow, so well, I'm glad you managed to carve some time out tonight. And just you know, back on our acronyms TMR, Tokyo Merenium. Tokyo
2: Millennium. Tokyo Millennium, yeah. Yep.
0: Good. So, the innovation you're doing, do you have a team around you, or is your role to go out and sort of beg, borrow, or steal people and resources from the rest of the organization?
2: Yeah, it's a fair bit of stealing going on. Um, Renry is a very lean organization. Um, which basically means that I don't have a department. I mean, I am the department. But having said that, we're a very collegiate organization. It's not hierarchy-driven. So, for instance, for some of the investments that we've done, you know, I don't have a team of people who will do the due diligence and the, the, the law stuff, but we have a Ventures team, and they will work with me on that. We have legal folks who work with me. I've done many projects internally where we've had engineering resources and underwriting resources who've kind of come together sorry, I shouldn't have said resources, I meant people. People. These people have come together to work on projects, and it's not necessarily part of their day job or part of their reporting line, but that is part of the way we work. Like we're, I think there's some saying from some business guru about how you can do great things as long as you don't care about who gets the credit, and I genuinely think in Renree we're really good at that. That's one of our real strengths is that, you know, people can take things that are, like if we think about new lines of business, um, Obviously, if you're an underwriter, you're going to be measured on the profitability of your book and the size of your book and how much profit you produce. But at the same time, look, somebody has to try the new things, right? Somebody has to, you know, deal with the flood flashes of this world and so on and so forth. And I think we're quite good at that forward thinking about how this may not, you know, it's not going to look great on the, might not necessarily look brilliant on the balance sheet today, but it might lead to something in the future.
0: Yeah. So you mean, but like Munich Re Digital Partners, you've got the capital to be able to absorb. I guess you could call them experiments. I mean, what would be an example of an organization or initiative you're, you're working on just now? Okay, so
2: in terms of new products, we've been working with the InsurTech Gateway. So that's one of the reasons I mentioned FloodFlash because they came with those. So we, we, we kind of kicked the tires on, uh, on, on FloodFlash a little bit and supported those. And we have looked into, you know, some innovative stuff around uh, cryptocurrency wallets as well. And even though it's a very... It's a slightly hard-to-understand thing because there's not much data there now. Um, and it's also very niche. But, you know, you don't have to be a genius to, to think that what we call cryptocurrency now in a few years' time, we're just going to call money, right? I mean, it's pretty clear from what Facebook were trying with Libra and the reaction from central banks around the world that cryptocurrency will just become the mechanism by which money is distributed. I mean, well, it's not 100% certain, but it's...
0: Yeah, I, I, mean, this I, I is... would bet
2: cryptocurrency on it.
0: This is the... Fourth, this is the fourth discussion we've had this, this week, let's say the last seven days around cryptocurrency. So, either it's just becoming a self fulfilling rumor or there's definitely something going on there. So, when you talk about that, I mean, this, and you mentioned the data there briefly. Are you, does the management of Renry, are, are they comfortable backing a product, an insurance product, where you don't have lost data? There's quite, you know, I think the regulations are also quite difficult around that. Are they willing to? Uh, give you some capacity and ability to go and test this out and learn as, as you go? To date, <clears throat> to date, we've
2: been doing that on a case-by-case basis. I suspect that over the next few months, we'll, we'll try to be more mindful and more organized about it and try to put a sandbox in place so we can do those kind of things, because we definitely recognize as an, as an organization that you, know, y- you need to do these things. You need to experiment, otherwise, otherwise you're always going to be behind everybody else.
0: Good. And then just as you're here making your reverse pitch, what what uh, areas are you looking for help from in, in, your, in your work? A couple of things that come to
2: mind. Um, if anybody has a database of all the properties in Florida, Louisiana, and Texas, and can tell me how far the ground floor is off the ground, uh, I will pay you money for that now, if you have that. So um, lots of people claim to provide these things, but having done a lot of testing, we haven't found... We haven't found a product that has the response time, the quickness of lookup, and the accuracy of results that we would need to be able to run our our flood models the way we'd like to. So, that, that's that's one thing. I mean, there are companies that are working on it, like we mentioned Saitora and stuff earlier on, they're working on it, but nobody has solved that yet. Um, it's difficult because it's much easier to solve property characteristic problems that you can get from an overhead picture because there's lots of satellite and aerial footage. But, you need to basically send somebody around to measure the distance and it's difficult. So that's number one. The other thing I think would be really great, are a couple of years ago I was working uh, on the casualty treaty team as an analyst. And uh, speaking of the CNN events that happen, um, it's a news station by the way. Um, uh, there was the Volkswagen, the Volkswagen scandal broke and uh, uh, our chief risk officer uh, called, the group, and was like, what's our exposure to Volkswagen? So I was like, sure, I'll go find that for you. And to figure out what your exposure to Volkswagen is across the entire book of business for a company the size of Renry, it's not trivial. It's not, like, it would be awesome if I could just type in what's my exposure to Volkswagen to some system and get it come back, but no. I had to go interview some underwriters, you know, looking various deals and various balance sheets, turn up a lot of documentation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It took a little while and quite a lot of manual effort. However, it's not difficult to imagine a world where you have effectively, you know, what they call a data lake now, you know, where you take all your data in and you have multiple ways of querying it where you can ask it in natural language, you know, what is, how many contracts do I have that mention Volkswagen? And it'll go and look at all the border rows and it will relate them back to the underlying contracts and aggregate the stuff and give you back the answer. Um, there are some partial solutions to these things, like there's companies who do these things. Um, uh, some of them, I think, are represented in this room. But once again, we haven't seen something that exactly you know, neatly fits our use case. So there are two solid gold ideas that people no, do uh,
0: Fantastic. But you know, had, you been, you know, had you been talking, or we've been talking 15 years ago, I bet we'd have had a very similar discussion, which yeah. is, you know, I, I, I want it, I'm pretty sure it's out there somewhere, it can't be that hard. And it just proves, you yeah, know, sort of having the, the vision and all the technology out there, something as relatively simple as saying, what's Renree's exposure, it still you know, requires you to do a lot of manual effort. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great opportunity for anybody out there that can help figure out what the exposure is without necessarily having to trawl through your data where you may not have it in the first place. And I guess if anybody wants to go and commission people to go and stand on floors in Florida and figure out how high they are, (laughs) who knows, It might actually be some money in that. Good. Well, Carl, that was fantastic. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. Well, if that sounded like fun, it was. Uh, It's also worth listening to the first part of the event, to episode 49. Now, we had over 20 different requests from that event alone for help from people with technology offering to insurance so take a look at Chris's summary of the event on the website on the specific event page for the reverse pitch and if you haven't been along to our events or not been for a while and wondering what you're missing then you can see what we've got coming next at www.instec.london also worth signing up for the newsletter so you don't miss the future events Uh, and finally if you are listening to this outside of the UK but have got plans to travel London let us know and we may well be able to get you up on stage as well and of course again episode notes have got the link to a free copy of Insurance Insider